0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So are you ready to box the devil this morning? Because I am! (laughs) How many of you have seen the, the movies How to Train Your Dragon? If you haven't, it's a must. Where's the hands? How many of you have yes. So you would be, you would be familiar with the with a character Hiccup and his dragon, toothless. So this looks, this looks impressive, eh? Looks impressive, but it wasn't always so impressive. So Hiccup had a weakness. What was his weakness? He couldn't do what? Yes, he couldn't fly, but most people can't fly. (laughs) In, in the village, there was something that was expected of him. He was the, he was the son of the chief Viking. What was he supposed to do? Oh, kill dragons. He couldn't kill a dragon. So it made him the loser. It made him the joke. It made him the failure of the whole village. But then something changed. So Hiccup overcame something. What was that? fear. He overcame fear and that changed everything because then he learned that his greatest weakness was actually his greatest strength because he learned to speak the language of the dragons and it changed everything for that village. Right? If you haven't seen the movie, sorry. Spoiler alert. But it's still, it's, it's worth watching. Go and watch this movie. There's actually a few. But Hiccup... Hiccup for me represents something that is, is, might be familiar to all of us. I want, I want you to think about your greatest weakness, so-called weakness, or greatest obstacle, or greatest thing in your life that you feel if that wasn't there, you would have been successful. If that thing, if that thing was not part of your childhood, or your upbringing, or your life right now, things would have looked different. You would have, you would have looked impressive, like, hiccup. With this dragon. And do you have, do you have something? Do you have something? So I want to propose that these things in our lives, that's our greatest weakness or vulnerability or obstacle or failure or mistake or, you know, maybe it's debt. Maybe, or maybe you've gone through a divorce or maybe, maybe there's bad decisions in your life that you've made or failures. I want to propose that those things are not our greatest enemy. There's something else. There's something else that's camouflaged. It's subtle. It steals our joy. It steals our confidence. It steals our boldness, and it actually hides behind our weaknesses. It hides behind our weaknesses or our faults or our vulnerabilities or our mistakes. And that is the thing I want to I want to box this morning. And that is called intimidation. And let me tell you, intimidation comes for the introvert, the extrovert, it comes for the shy, it comes for the bold, it comes for the strong, it comes for the weak, because intimidation is a spirit. And it actually would look until it finds something that would intimidate you. You know, And, and often, you know, in the past, I would often look at people who are bold and confident and brave. And, you know, I wish I can be more like them, because in my mind, they fear nothing, They're not intimidated until you speak with people who appear bold and confident and brave. And then you realize there are actually things that intimidate them as well. So it's not about your personality. It's not about your capabilities. It's not about your experience. It's not about anything really, except that there's an enemy that wants to silence us. He wants to keep us out of what God is calling us to do. And it will use anything. It, and, it, and mostly, what I experience is that it hides, you know. And, and you know, even even it hides so much that you might think it's part of your personality. This is who you are. This is just who you are. You cannot do anything about it. And then this thing stays hidden, and we we feel the effects. We feel the effects: confusion, depression, uh, you know, lack of, of faith. But we, we don't get to the root. We tackle all the, the fruit and we don't get to the root and this thing messes us around. And I want to say this morning, we need to, to draw a line in the sand and say no more, no more, because God has called you for something greater, greater than yourself, greater than your own abilities. You even, because, you know, if, if I look at my own life, God is using me today in, in many areas I would have called weaknesses. Years ago, and it's still maybe not my greatest strength, but for some reason, God is, is using me in areas of weakness. And I know why he's doing it, because he gets the glory. I know it's not me. I know this is not my natural strength. Many things I do today. So your weakness is not the problem. God can turn around your weakness, or you can discover that your weakness might even be your greatest strength, like hiccup. It, it's our, our weaknesses, our faults, our mistakes, or you know, even sin or addiction. It's that is not the problem because our God is greater. But if we do not address intimidation, if we do not make war against intimidation, that is going to keep us silent. It's going to keep us from expanding the kingdom. It's going to keep you from walking in your destiny and, and doing what God wants you to do. It's going to keep you from living. It's going to keep you from living because you're going to hide. You're going to be pushed into a corner and you're going to be silenced. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. I mean, so I want to take you to a story in the, in the book of Kings, one Kings, one Kings 18. So in the book of Kings, they, they talk about a prophet, quite a famous prophet. Most of us would have, would have heard about him. His name was Elijah and You know, it was it was a season in history where there was there was also um, idol prophets, so they were serving gods that was not the true God of the Bible, and there were a lot of prophets, but not prophets of the God of the Bible. And Elijah was up against all of them, so he came to a point where he said he's going to challenge them to a showdown on a mountain because he wants to prove who the true God is. So he challenged 450 Baal prophets. And if you read in the Bible, there was, was actually another God being served, 400 of, of them as well. So actually 850 different prophets. And he said to them, look, let's each take a sacrifice. Let's, let's each, each of us take a bull. We're going to put it on the altar and we're going to pray and the true God, the, the, the God who is true, The God who is the real God, he's going to answer with fire from heaven. So they, they couldn't let the fire. They couldn't, they couldn't actually, um, you know, offer the sacrifice as usual. They were going to wait on the real God. So the Baal prophets said, yes, we're in. Let's do this. So all, you know, up, up on the mountain, there's Elijah on his own. He's the only prophet from the Lord on the mountain. And there's the 450 Baal prophets and they start praying or talking or you know, engaging with a God. And after six hours, nothing. After six hours, nothing. Now, Elijah is now starting to enjoy this. So I want to pick it up there by 1 Kings 18:27, 27. Verse 27, and, it, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, so he's mocking the 450 Baal prophets. He says to them, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So you you can see that he's having fun, right? Elijah's having fun. He's not scared, because if you're scared, you're not going to mock the 450 prophets. He's not scared. He's having fun. And... He's, he's going to have even more fun now. Let me show you. So Baal doesn't answer, and Elijah asks his servants to pour twelve jars, big jars of water, over his sacrifice. You know, obviously, he's becoming braver and braver now because <laughs> because he believes God's going to answer him, and he wants to show them, you know, that the God of heaven can even can can even send hev- uh, send fire from heaven. That can, you can light up this whole thing, you know, even though there's water and it's wet. So, fast forward. God actually does answer him. Fire from heaven. The Baal prophets run for their lives because Elijah says, kill them all. Okay, it's an R-rated movie. <laughs> I think there's lots of things in the Bible, eh, that's going to be an R-rated movie. But in any case, a 450 ball prophets are being killed. And... Elijah is having the highlight of his career, right? It's, it's a, it's a highlight. But now I want to show you just in the next chapter, 1 Kings 19. Now when Ahab got home, that's the king. It's the king. And he had a wife. He, his name was Jezebel. So when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, she isn't happy because that was her prophets. No, that was her prophets. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. One angry woman. Now, now what I want you to see is nobody is wrapped up with a sword. At Elijah's house. It's a message. Right? Jezebel is furious. She sends a message to Elijah. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid. And fled for his life. Now moments ago he was the man. He wasn't scared. He was even mocking the ball prophets. He was having fun. Now one person. Accidentally a woman. Because it could have been anybody. Right? Because it's not about the woman. It's about a spirit that was working through her that was gunning for Elijah to silence him. So the moment he stepped out of that place of faith and submitted to a spirit of intimidation, what happened? Fear. And then he? He runs. He runs for his life. So fear... Makes us run. Faith leads to fun, but fear makes us run. You know, and I, I've seen that in my own life so many times. How would it look with us, you know? How, how, how would this look? Running means you're stepping down, you're backing down, you're resigning, you say no to opportunities, you, you, you avoid, you avoid people, you avoid situations, it's, you run from something. Fear makes us run. But faith, and I've seen that also in my life so many times, faith leads to fun. You know, I know when I have faith because then I have joy. There's, there's, a, there's a combination. The moment I lose my joy, I know I'm under a spirit of intimidation. And the moment I have faith or joy, I know this faith is present. And I see this in the story that Elijah had fun it wasn't just all serious, you know. God's going to send fire from heaven. He was actually enjoying the moment, you know. And I, I believe this is our life call—not only to have faith, but to have faith and fun. It's our life call, you know. God, God is wanting us to live our lives. He doesn't want us to run, but unfortunately, many of us—and we're not even realizing it—we're running. Because of intimidation, we're hiding, we are running because of intimidation. And I want I want this morning, I want to share with you a few of my stories because it's been part of my life. You know, from a little girl, I had to fight fear, I had to fight intimidation. And if I was not going to fight it, if I submitted on a spirit of intimidation, I would have been a shadow of what I am today. I know that. I would have been hidden. You would have not seen a mic in my hand. Not a chance. You know, maybe you would have heard me play the piano or maybe not. Because intimidation, it steals from us. It silences us. You know, and this is why I brought my boxing gloves. I'm gonna, I'll need to put one of them on it. You can see. It's what I do in my free time. <laughs> so I look like a boxer. Huh? It's my lifetime, so it's not. Doesn't look so impressive. But this is what I do in my free time. I have like a thing at home. I don't punch my husband. I promise. <laughs> I feel like it sometimes, but I promise I don't do it. We, our fight is not against people, and I think that is often where the enemy also he, he sneaks in. And he says, that person is intimidating, intimidating back, you know. Or this person is manipulating, let's manipulate. Or that person is a schemer, so let's scheme. And who knows that, that those are the weapons of the world, right? It's not going to get us anyway. In fact, intimidation will not be broken over our lives. We need the weapons of God, right? So we, we, intimidation is not just going to go away because we ignore it. And I need you to understand this because I've tried to ignore intimidation. It's not going away. You actually need to fight it. You need to actively engage with the spirit. Otherwise, it's going to mess you around. You can't just ignore it. You can't just go on holiday. You can't just take a break. You need to engage in warfare. Right? And I'm going to give you a few weapons this morning. I know what I'm talking about. The Spirit has messed me around many times in my life. I still need to fight it. But I've made a decision that I'm not going to submit to something that wants to rule and reign my life and keep me out of God's will because it would have kept me out of God's will for my life. Right? So I'm taking this off. You get the message. If you want to borrow my gloves, you're welcome, but you only hit the devil, okay? <laughs> okay, weapon number one. Weapon number one, pray. I'm gonna give you five P's, okay, so that you can remember it. So tomorrow morning, or when you go home, you're gonna share it with your neighbor or your cats or your dogs. So you're gonna practice, okay? Pray, but there's an extra one I'm throwing in there. Pray and prepare. Pray and preparation, because the, the, the two Goes together. So intimidation wants to, to take or to push us out of our God-given authority. It's something God gives us. It's called authority. But what, what intimidation does, it, it pushes us out of that. What do we need to do? We need to take it back. How do we take it back? By prayer and preparation. What do I mean by that? Prayer it's not only like, you know, oh, Jesus, catch me. Catch me, Lord. I'm scared. You know, there's this fearful kind of, uh, God, please help me. You know, that kind of pray. No. We pray scripture. If you speak to the people who lead our ignites and our prayer groups, they will all say this is how we pray. Or one of the ways how we pray. We take scripture and this is how we pray. So, when, when we are intimidated, we're not gonna plead God to help us. You may, you, you may do that as well. But to, to fight the spirit of intimidation, we need to, we need to attack. We can't be on the back foot. So you're gonna say, in the name of Jesus, God has not given me a spirit of fear. And I will not submit to the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, uh, the God who is in me is greater. The one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. You know, God is my light and my salvation. I shall not fear. God is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You get your scriptures and you, 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 you don't pray under something. You come, you come above it. You come above it by the word of God. You proclaim it and you, you tackle it head on. Pray. But now, why do I say prepare or preparation? Sometimes we pray, we're good at praying, but we're not good at preparing. So you need to do a task in the natural. You need to write an exam. Or now you need to preach a sermon like I do today. I can't only pray. I must have something to say to you guys, right? Some people are good at praying and then not preparing so well. I'm not. I am it's my weakness, right? So I need I need to, to go full on for prayer and preparation. And let me tell you, it, intimidation becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, if you're a doctor and you need to operate on somebody tomorrow, yes, let's pray, but please know what you're doing as well. <laughs> please prepare for that op. You know, or if you're a teacher and you need to teach your class, open your history book. You know, you can't just pray, we also need to prepare. I mean, you get what I'm saying. I've just, I've just discovered the better prepared I am, smaller intimidation becomes. But I can't only prepare. I need to take authority. There is a combination of prayer and preparation that defeats the enemy. You know? And, and in in terms of what I'm doing today, it's been a battle for me. Many of you know my stories, you know. I could hardly speak English. I was very shy. To do what I do today is very unlike me in the natural, for those of you who know my story. But by the grace of God, I pushed through. I did it afraid many, many, many times. But now I come to a stage, you know, where I'm, I'm fairly comfortable. I'm not so freaked out every time I need to do this. But now put me in a different scenario and a different audience. And intimidation is back. Have you ever experienced that? You grow into something, you're comfortable, you're bold, you're confident. All of a sudden, it's the same thing in a different environment. So a couple of years ago, somebody invited me to speak at Selborne Primary at their Mother's Day, grade sevens and all the moms, Mother's Day talk. And immediately when I got that invitation, I felt the spirit of intimidation. I feel it. I could feel it. You know? And I so wanted to think about an excuse. (laughs) I so wanted to get out of it. And then God just said to me, you're going nowhere. You're doing this. You're doing this, Sonica. Can't you see? It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that wanted to silence you all the years. It's coming for you again. You're doing this. So I said, okay, God, let's go back to weapon number one. Prayer. And, and, and prep. I'm gonna prep. I'm gonna do research. I, I had 15 minutes. I mean, what can you say in 15 minutes? But who knows if you need to talk for 15 minutes, you must even prepare better because you only have 15 minutes. So I, I did everything, you know, I, I did research and I prayed and I prepared, I practiced it like an oral (laughs) because you don't want to, you don't want to look at your notes. You don't want to, it's 15 minutes. It's great. Seven boys. You know, who cares about this Tony who's not going to speak, you know? And and I just knew I had to trust the Lord for the right words. Because for me, it was more than just 15 minutes of entertainment. I wanted to get to their hearts. Oh, it was this golden opportunity. But I was intimidated, you know? But praise God for, for this weapon and this tool I learned. I prayed. I took authority for a week. For a week, I would close the door. I would practice my 15 minutes after I got my, yeah, my notes. I would, I would, I would speak to this thing and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you've given me this opportunity. I will not be scared. I will not be intimidated. You know, and on the day, it was amazing. It was glorious. I was bold, but if you, if you would have seen me the week before the time, It would have been a different story. But in my inner room and at home, I won the battle. I won the battle. And for me, I mean, nobody would have known because, I mean, who cares? 15 minutes, talk at a, who really cares? But for me, it was this massive victory. Now, I felt like Elijah on the mountain. (laughs) It was a massive victory for me. And, you know, there are things in your life. It, for other people, it looks small, but for you, it's huge. But you need to overcome it and to hide away and to back away and to run away and to resign and to, and to, to hide is not the solution. Because you see, it's not a once off thing because this thing is going to come again. That's the problem. You know, if we can hide once and then the next time we are bold and strong, fair enough. But the next time you're going to be even more intimidated. And that's what I've learned. If I do not engage, if I do not make war, next time I'm more intimidated. I am more fearful. I'm more anxious. And that's not a life I want to live. That's not the life you want to live. So weapon number two, perseverance. This goes hand in hand with prayer and preparation. Because if you do it once and you hated it, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it again. Or even if you've done it 10 times and you're still struggling, it doesn't mean that it's not for you. You know, I know many people of you are familiar with Todd White and his ministry. He's an American pastor and evangelist. He is an incredibly bold, confident, strong man. You know, he doesn't look as if he's scared of anything. But he shares that he prayed for a 1,000 people. So he's got a healing Healing ministry and, um, you know, evangelistic ministry. Um, And he doesn't look scared. But he says that he prayed for a thousand people before the first one got healed. A thousand. And now he is in this ministry where it looks so easy. It looks as if he is not, doesn't have a scare hair. um, There's nothing like that in English. Or is there? Okay, anyway. He doesn't look scared, but he had to pray for a thousand people. So imagine that journey. Getting to the 444th person. And it's a failure. It's not working. But somehow God has given him the grace to persevere. What if he did not persevere? He would have been under this spirit of intimidation for the rest of his life. He would not have fulfilled schooling calling a thousand times. I think many of us have uh you know, still a few times to go. Not not only maybe praying for people who are unwell, but with anything. How many of us have tried a thousand times before we had success? It's it's a lot. Often we give up by the tens or the fifteenth, or maybe even by the second time we do something like, Oh no, this is too scary. This is too intimidating. I'm not going to do that to myself. Perseverance. You know, some of us struggle to pray in a group. And I want to encourage you this morning to fight that. Not to submit under this, oh, I struggle to pray out loud in front of people. This is just who I am. Other people can do that. It's their giftings. Nonsense. You are called. You are called for more than this. So I want to encourage you in in the life group, when the leader asks, the next time they ask, who's going to open in prayer for us? And you just want to like, you know, not me, please, don't pick me, don't pick me, volunteer. So I will do it. And then just do it. And who cares if it's not perfect? Who cares if it's not, if you don't feel bold or strong, just do it. You know, six months from now, you're going to be a different person. So I want to encourage you, whatever it might be that's messing you around. Maybe you don't see it as being messed around, but I promise you we are being messed around by the spirit of intimidation because it wants to silence us. Make a decision and say, I will not be silenced. Amen? Make a decision. Weapon number three, prophecy. So what the enemy wants to do, what the spirit of intimidation wants to do, it wants us to believe lies about ourselves, our future, our family, our circumstances, any kind of lie. Now, how do we conquer that? How do we counter that? We prophesy the truth. So I want to show you two interesting scriptures in the book of Timothy. So Timothy was a young man, and the apostle Paul wrote a few things to him to encourage him not to be intimidated or let no one despise your youth. So 1 Timothy 1 verse 18, the apostle Paul writes this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies made previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So there's something very interesting here. So often when we receive a word from the Lord, sometimes it feels nice, you know, encouraged. But then we kind of either forget about it or we don't write it down. And it's forgotten. It's it's gone. But according to this scripture, a prophetic word is a weapon. It's like a boxing glove. We need it. We need to use it to punch the enemy. And as a, now look at 2 Timothy 1, seven. This scripture, most of you would know. Same. It. The Apostle Paul writing to the same person, right, Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. Some translation says a sound mind. Now, I want you to connect the two. It's two different books, but it's the same. 1 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young man with the name Timothy. So, if, if I look at this, you know, I don't think the Apostle Paul would have written this to someone who was not scared. So obviously, Timothy battled with intimidation. You know, if you look at at, at, at the book, 1 Timothy 1 and 1 Timothy 2. So, but in the first book, chapter 1, the apostle Paul tells him, by the prophecies previously made concerning you, that is what you need to wage the good warfare. Now, it's very clear to me. You know, the moment we are scared, the moment we are intimidated, our prophetic words are a major, major weapon to wage the war. And this is why we need to dust off our prophetic words. We need to dust it off. We need to look it up. We need to go back to it. You know, I I recently just went through a book. I'm now making notes electronically, but I went back to a book that I used before we moved to East London. Where I wrote down all my prophetic words and significant things that God spoke over me, you know, and I was amazed. I was amazed by words that I have received in 2008, 2004 that it, it, I mean, back then it felt so unreal. It felt so not me and not my future, but you know, it's, it's words. That God has, has, it has come to pass. But, but through the years, you know, every time when I experienced intimidation, the prophetic was a major tool for me to counter the lies of the enemy. You know, at our, at our awaken or call to surrender weekend, I was so proud of the ladies in our church because we had about 50 leaders and we asked them to prophesy over each and every one who attended the Saturday night and some of them were really intimidated. It was it was a big thing, you know, for them because the people were queuing. Hey, you had you had five minutes and then the next one comes. So it's not as if you prophesy over one person. They're queuing and you need to get a fresh word from the Lord. And many of the the ladies are just like, "Oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this." But we gave them no choice. Praise God for <laughs> no choice. And you know. Some of some of the stories and the testimonies that, that have come, actually most of the stories and testimonies have come from our leaders who said they did not feel qualified. They did not know how to do this, but they stepped out of the boat. They addressed or they, they, they made war against intimidation and they did it. You know, and for me it's like a double punch to the enemy because our leaders stepped out, they overcame that intimidation, but then they've given somebody else a word. That they can use in the future against the spirit of intimidation. So, for me, I was just so incredibly proud. I want to encourage you, do not allow intimidation to keep you silent. You guys have so much to give, all of you. But the enemy wants to silence us. And it's up to us whether we're going to allow it or not. The prophetic word. So, Pray, we need to pray, we need to prepare, we need to persevere, we need to dust off our prophetic words and start prophesying it back when there's lies. Weapon number four, purpose. So, when we go through difficult seasons or painful seasons, the spirit of intimidation wants to convince us to play it safe. To protect us from more pain. I want to say this again. So when we go through difficult, painful, challenging seasons, I believe there's a, there's an underlying spirit of intimidation who wants to keep us silent, keep us, keep us from stepping out, encouraging us to play it safe to avoid future disappointments. You know, and often we, We just see it as self-care, or we're just taking care of ourselves, and I'm all for that, right? Sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we need a, a fresh perspective. Sometimes we need to really just take care of ourselves. But if it goes on for too long, it becomes a spirit of intimidation that wants to keep us from stepping out. Because what if? What if stepping out would lead to more pain, more disappointment, so we rather don't risk it? We stay in the boat. And it's not a life. It's not a life. I want to read you Philippians 1, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writing this from jail. He says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. We're talking about kingdom expansion this month. You know, and often when there's opposition, where there's pain, where there's negative or difficult circumstances, we want to back off, right? Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying is what has happened to him, all the sufferings he's been through, and now being in jail, it has not hindered the ministry of the gospel. In fact, it's helping it. It is expanding it. And then he says, and what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. I mean, this is, it feels almost like a disconnect. How is this possible? How is it possible that someone can be in jail and people become less scared, less intimidated? They become more bold and, and passionate about spreading the gospel. But this is an anointing that we need to look for. This is this is what we need to, to trust the Lord for. This is why I say if we can find purpose in our pain, if we can find purpose in difficult situations and realize, that you're not only fighting for yourself, you're fighting for your family, you're fighting for your friends, you're fighting for generations to come. You know, if there's a difficult thing in your life that you need to overcome, Don't run away from it. Push into it. Find purpose. Find purpose because you will have a testimony and you will have a story. And it will lead to freedom. But what, what intimidation does, it wants us to play it safe, to protect ourselves. And in the process, we're not living. We're just surviving. So what if pushing into our pain is going to lead to more freedom? More boldness. More courage. Amen. Less intimidation. Weapon number five. Intimidation wants to steal our power. So we need to ask for more power. More power. You know, I spend a lot of time with my husband, so I'm, he's rubbing off on me. You know, in the book of Acts 1, chapter 8, we see that something, something really powerful happened you know, to the disciples and the, and the apostles and people waiting for the Holy Spirit. It, or, or this promise, this promise, they were waiting for this. It says, you shall receive power. You know, I think we often miss this because we often think, you shall receive the Holy Spirit. And yes, the Holy Spirit is, I mean, he's our helper, he's our comforter, he's our intercessor, he's our, our, um, he's our guide, he's our advocate, he is so many things. But, this specific moment in history, there was a power component to this moment where they received power. Why? Why was it necessary to receive power to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth? You know, and I, I had the, the privilege to experience this. What they're talking about in Acts one, verse eight, at the age of sixteen. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I received a measure of power that, that broke quite a, a big portion of fear and, and timidity and intimidation over my life. It was amazing. It was amazing. But I cannot rely on that for the rest of my life. You know, I cannot dream about when I was 16 years old and God filled me with the Spirit. It was beautiful, but it's many moons ago. <laughs> many, many, many moons ago. If I rely on that, I'm gonna run out of power to witness. I'm gonna, I'm, intimidation will go stronger and stronger and stronger in my life. I need to ask the Lord for more power to witness that boldness, that extravagant passion and boldness that says, who cares? Who cares? And what if I look like a fool? You know, and I'm preaching to myself because I'm challenging myself on this, you know. Are we still walking in the power we have received when God filled us with His Spirit? And maybe some of us have not even yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. That is step number one. But we need to continuously be refilled so that we can receive power not to be intimidated, not to be scared. You know, two weeks ago, Andre and I and Vian, we watched a movie called The Jesus Revolution. Absolutely fantastic inspirational movie by, it's, it's based on a true story. Many characters, but the one guy's name is Lonnie Frisbee. He is actually the one with the, the hair. He was a, a hippie in the 1960s. And God anointed him to spark uh, uh, him and other people, but he was, he was a very, um, dominant uh, player in this whole thing to spark uh, a revival in the late 1960s in America that they called the Jesus revolution, you know, and we watched this movie Andre and and I and Vian and all three of us were inspired. We were like, wow, (laughs) this is so awesome. But in particular Vian was really my son. I asked him if I can share this story. He was really inspired by, by this movie, you know, and the next morning, he decides to invite two of his friends from school to youth. Now, it sounds like, you know, is that a big deal? It doesn't sound like a big deal. But for him, he's been wanting to invite them for more than a year. But for some reason, it just felt so intimidating. You know, what are they going to say? Would they come? Would they not come? If they do come, are they going to like it? Would my friends like them? Because it's friends who do not know Jesus. So, for him, it was this massive step. And after we watched this movie, you know, that that was all about a, 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 um, a revival, all about people who did not care what other people think, all about an anointing to reach the lost. All of a sudden, it's it's a done deal. It's a non-issue. <laughs> he invites them. They're rock at youth. They come. We need to get, get them back there. That's the next step. But... It's not as if they didn't like it. It's not as if they didn't come. He invited, they came. So, but the spirit of intimidation wants to make this big thing out of a small thing for God. And we, we, we don't do it because we intimidate it. But because we were exposed to this anointing of reaching the lost, it became a non-issue. It became so easy for him. You know, and this is why, why Andre is pioneering the, the fivefold ministry academy because we need this. We need exposure to people who flow in, a, in an apostolic anointing, an evangelistic anointing, and the, the prophetic anointing, and the pastoral and the, the teaching anointing. We need this because otherwise we will only do what we feel comfortable with and never be inspired to step out. So I want to encourage you to. It's it's not just a, a side project. We want to expose you to people with an anointing so that we can become bolder, more confident, more courageous. You know, I've just seen that by just watching a movie of a guy who was, who was not scared. We received boldness. It was so awesome. So what? what is, why do we talk about this? Why do I go on like this for 40 minutes and, you know, Let's fight intimidation and let's box the devil. Why? Because faith leads to fun. And fear makes us run. And I'm tired of running, and I'm sure you are as well. We, we should get to a point where we say no more. We're tired of running. And we're tired of a life that's not filled with joy and faith because the two go together. I, I really believe true faith, it's not just stressful. You know, Because sometimes faith Looks so stressful for the conservative safe players like me, you know. You know the big things, trusting the Lord for a million rand, you know. It it, it could become stressful, but I realise if it's true faith, that it won't will not be stressful. There will be fun, we will enjoy the journey. And this is what I want. This is what I want for me, for you. Faith leads to fun, but fear makes us run. Let's stop running. You know, Proverbs 28, verse 1, a familiar scripture maybe for most of you. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now, I'm going to give you my version. Don't tell anyone that I've rewritten the Bible. But the intimidated, this is my version, just between us today. The intimidated flee when no one pursues. Remember Elijah? He wasn't even somebody chasing him, yet he got a message and he was running. The intimidated flees when no one pursues. It's so intimidating, you already run. But the faithful are bold as a lion. Boldness, it leads to freedom. I mean, so are you ready to box? Are you ready to box the, the devil? Okay, please stand with me then. I just want to call out a few things and then we're going to, we're going to pray. So I, I want to call out a few things and then we're going to do a song that my son gave me. He said this is the perfect song for your sermon. So we're going to do that song. We're going to trust the Lord for more boldness. But I, what I sensed when, when I was preparing is I feel that for some of you, You've been compared to a sibling when you were, when you were younger, or maybe still even. you compared to a sibling, or compared to your mother, or compared to your father, compared to a family member. In fact, I feel people might even have said, if you could just be more like your sister, or more like your brother. And that opened the door for a spirit of intimidation in your life. So you... You are literally like a shadow of what God calls you to be. A shadow in terms of your confidence and your boldness and your career and your your, if, if, your effectiveness and your productivity. You are a shadow because there's a spirit of intimidation that is keeping you from being you. We need to pray for you this morning. I feel some of you have been battling with intimidation from childhood. It's coming with you from childhood. And I feel some of you even have like important and, and, you know, positions at work. You are a leader. You are, you are a manager. You're a pioneer, but you still battle with intimidation. There's so many voices that tells you you're not good enough and that you're a failure. We want to break that down this morning. We want to break down the lies of the enemy. Okay. I feel some of you. If you are still at school or the, the teenagers this morning, I feel some of you really battle at school, socially, academically, not because there's something wrong with you. Now, I even feel if there's somebody listening online this morning, this is a word for you. The, the enemy is intimidating you at school and you lose your confidence before a test. Or before a sports match or before many, many situations at school, you feel like a failure. There's nothing wrong with you. There's a spirit of intimidation and we need to, we need to make war against that this morning. Some of you battle at work, especially when it comes to technical things. I remember being extremely intimidated at work when it comes to very technical accounting issues and I do fight that. I would blank. I would, I would have moments where I cannot think. Not because I didn't understand the problem, because of intimidation. I was so scared of this technical thing. I feel some of you, you have moments where you blank at work. It's just like a blur. You cannot think. You cannot make decisions. It's intimidation. We need to make war. Some of you are intimidated by by your boss, by your students, by your patients. Some of you are intimidated in church. Because you don't feel good enough. You don't feel spiritually enough. You don't feel as if you know enough of the Bible. That's a lie. You have so much to give. Each one of you have so much to give. Do not let the the spirit of intimidation tell you that you are a second-rate Christian. Because you are not. You are not. God is calling you to a position this morning of confidence in Him. Some of you are just intimidated by things in the natural like technology just intimidates you or people with money people with degrees or people with fancy cars or you know expensive jewelry you just feel so intimidated by people who look as if they have it all together and you feel so ashamed and I just want to break I feel there's a spirit of shame that keeps you intimidated many of you I want to break that this morning because you are you are royalty. You are daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. A royal priest to the holy nation. It's not about the money in your bank account. It's not about the car that you drive. It's not about the way you buy your clothes. You are a daughter and a son of the king. So I break that power of intimidation because you do not have a fancy car. Some of you are afraid to speak. You know, I was so afraid to speak. Even in a small group, I would stumble over my words. I would blush. I wouldn't be able to say what I want to say. And yes, all of us are not called maybe to do what I do this morning, but all of us are called to say what you want to say in a group or at a bride or at a family meeting. You you want to be able to voice your opinion. And if you struggle to do that, we need to pray for you this morning. Because this is not who you are. This is not your destiny. You know, some of us not, just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. We just need a fresh infilling because the, the enemy has stolen our power and our boldness to be a witness. And we want to make war this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.